What are you doing here? It's challenge day. You know we've influenced nearly every facet of white America. From our music to our style of dress, walk, talk, dress, mannerisms. We enrich your very existence. You should say thank you, man. Welcome to the Black Blue Podcast. This is Tariq el Here we talk religion, politics, arts, culture, sports, entertainment, literature, and more. And we begin by seeking the guidance and protection of the Most High, the Merciful Benefactor, the Merciful Redeemer. Today's guest is Marlon Hayes. He's a poet, author, writer, travel blogger, sports blogger, and we are pleased to welcome him to the Black Loop Podcast. Peace, brother. Peace, brother. Thank you for that introduction. So you have been, uh, you have written, as we were talking, you know, offline, uh, I was trying to get a count on the number of books that you've written. I was like, uh, I think I saw seven books. Matter of fact, I, I have one of them in my possession. Um, I think it's a, the Potholes book. Yeah, that's Watch of Potholes. Watch of yes. Potholes, yes, I have that. So I need, you know, I owe it to myself to make my way to to find some time to sit down and read. Um, but you, when I ask you how many books you have actually written, <laughs> please, please repeat that answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I didn't want to sound arrogant or like it didn't matter, but I've actually lost count because I know I'm, I have like six <laughs> six or seven in print, mm-hmm. but I've started these e-books and these e-stories, so the number has grown, and I'm, I haven't been keeping track of it like that. You know? <laughs> that is an awesome, uh, awesome problem to have. That means that you've been, you've been putting a lot of work in. Um, you know, and, and you yeah. know what? I guess they say when you get old and you're, you're finished, then you step back and you look back at um, at what you've done, but right now you're in the midst of, of doing it. So that's, that's a wonderful thing. Um, I am a, a person who, you know, I, I am a reader, uh, and I, I find less and less time to read and that that's kind of a frustrating thing for me, but as a writer, as a writer, um, I want to take you back to your first book. Uh, and what was that? What was the first book? Uh, okay. Wait, the first book was called The Colors of My Mind. It was a it was a collage of poetry and short stories and I didn't have a clue as to what I was doing, but I did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so so now I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because for any aspiring author uh that, that may be listening, um the question is always, um how do you get over the the, the fear uh, that I think exists for a lot of people, you know, um, that they want to write something, they feel like they have something of value to share, but it seems like such a daunting task. Was that was that a part of that whole process for you, or was it just, I'm just going to get it done, I'm just going to do it? Well, the first book resulted because my wife told me to clean out the computer. Okay. okay. And she was like, you got all these stories and poems, do something with them. And I was like, I'm not scared of you, and I'm not scared of anybody else, you know. But um, what happened, so I started investigating, and I found out about self-publishing, and you could self-publish a book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a rookie. I didn't know. So I, I came up with this concept of the colors of emotion, the colors of human emotion. 
right. right? So, like, green is jealousy, or blues is depression, right? Mm-hmm. So those were the colors of my band. So then I started slotting short stories and poems into each of these different colors. And at the end, I was like, wow, that's a whole book, mm. you know? So I, I was like, well, you've done, you've went this far, go ahead and do the next step. So I self-published it. And that was like a huge moment because it was like, nobody ever, nobody ever picked me to be the kid who would succeed at doing something, you know? Right. So I did that. And everything after that, I've continued to evolve as a writer. Mm. But after that, I wasn't scared anymore. Mm. You know, mm. was was and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I would I would tell any any writer or any aspiring writer, first of all, write. Don't talk about writing. Write. Mm-hmm. Get it off your soul. Put it up. Uh, go sip some tea or something, and then come back and look at it again and change it. Make it better and then do something with it. Mm. Because sitting in your computer or sitting in your phone is not going to change the world with something that you wrote. You know? Did you you find it... um, Did you work from a... um, Well, I I don't know if for the the first one if this would be um, applicable or not because you said you basically had a bunch of material already. Um, Yeah. And but so, but you did add a little bit to it, or was it just everything that was already there? I think everything was already there. Like um, the first short story I wrote was called "A Night at Lucky's," and it was a guy talking, having a drink and a conversation with death personified. Okay, mm. yeah, that was the first short story I ever wrote, and so it was in that book, and you know everything was already there. But after that the creative flow, the juices, everything became a muse. You know, everything that I saw, people that I talked to became part of a story or a poem or, or an essay or something. And it's just like, I guess God is like, I gave you this gift. Mm-hmm. You finally unwrapped it. Now I want you to use it. Mm. Watch. So when you talk about for the aspiring uh, writer, uh, who mm-hmm. may or may not have, you know, have, uh, have been writing and just kind of push it to the side. But for those who are starting from scratch, do you, uh, are, are you the type of writer who says, well, you need to have a word goal every day. You know, you know, you need to do 500 words. You need to do a thousand words uh, or whatever. Do you, no. do you subscribe to that? No. Okay. Because my thing is, if you wrote one sentence, mm-hmm. you worked were productive. Right. Because the way, the, the way that, like, what I call my mojo, mm. there might be days where I don't write anything other than my name on a check or something, you know? Mm. And then there are days where I cannot get away from the computer. Right. You know, because I'm just chained there and I'm writing. Um, like, I just finished my second novel. Ha, you hear that word, bro? Novel? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I finished it the week before Christmas. And the, the novel... It was 78,000 words, all right? Wow. I started it 2017. Meanwhile, while I was working on that novel, I was writing my blog. I was writing poetry. I was writing and submitting short stories. Mm-hmm. I kept grinding. Right. And then I would go back to the novel because something fresh might have occurred to my mind. And did I tell you that I got a contract for the novels already? No, you did not. No, you didn't. Yes, bro. 
Yes, brother. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's yeah. what's up. Yes. Yeah. So any writer, write something, you know, because I think one year, like 2015, the summer, I was working on a, my first novel, and I had writer's block. I couldn't write. Everything tasted stale. Mm-hmm. Like old cheeseburger stale, like you you know, like stale. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I couldn't figure it out. And somebody was like, Well, why don't you try to write something new? And I'm like, Well, what do you mean? And that's how I started writing uh, one of my side genres. I started writing erotica, and that kind of like freed up my writer's block for everything else. So just write, you know, do what you can do. And when your mojo comes. It, it comes and it, it takes that it, it it blows you away. Let me ask you know? this: Did were you thrown off a bit um, by writing a bit and then walking away and and maybe working on something else or doing whatever and then coming back to uh, to that particular piece? What were you, did you have any trouble like keeping continuity? No, hmm. because it's it's like I. Say that you are uh, roasted turkey and you seasoned it on Sunday, but you're not cooking it until Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Well, Monday and Tuesday, you still got other stuff you got to do. Right. So then when you go back to the turkey, you already know where you were at, what needed to be done. It's kind of like that. Okay. You know, because a story is outlined in my head before I even start writing. Right. Okay. Um, I just wrote a story about two women who've been lifelong friends and their connection, which started over marijuana. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it starts off funny and all of that. But then at the end of the story, you realize that this woman keeps bringing this other woman marijuana because the lady is dying. Okay. Oh, wow. Right. But wow. It's, the, 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 the thought came for that story because I was driving down the street and the car next to me, all you smell was weed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, my man is someplace else. So, yeah. yeah. So you also, uh, as we mentioned, that you are a travel blogger. And uh, we're going to insert this right now. I'm not even going to wait uh, to ask later on. Where can people find you on social media? Oh, um, I, I didn't have my like stuff handy, but I'm on Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, I'm on Facebook, Marlon's Writings. Um, I have a, a website, mm-hmm. but it's so it's Marlon Hayes at Wixsite.com. Okay. Um, I can give you, I can like send you the actual links when I get a chance, but my uh, my website blog is where I do my travel blogging. Okay. And Marlon's Writings is usually short stories, poetry excerpts and you know like that yeah so you got a few aisles you got you have like the 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 grocery store and you got a few uh, different aisles you know you go down this aisle you got the travel blog and you go down this you got sports you got on this yeah okay so there's some uh, makes it easy for people to uh to come according to what their interests are oh right and uh yeah speaking of which and i got voices from the bleachers which is a sports blog on facebook okay now is there a particular uh, a particular sport that you focus on, or are you looking at everything? No, we write about everything um, because 
you know how like when you are in a group of people and everybody thinks that they know what they're talking about yeah and you try not to be argumentative you try not to have a debate uh-huh. okay because people cannot separate their passion for their team with objectivity right okay like i can look at the white Sox and be like y'all not going nowhere for another year and a half but a white Sox fan is like oh we're going to the world series yeah. okay and so we started writing about sports mixing in like pop culture references and all of this other stuff so it was it became another outlet where we could talk about sports like Sunday, I drove around the city, you know, doing stuff, and everybody had on their bear stuff. And it felt good to see everybody, like, embracing the team, no matter whether they won or lost. Right. I had a conversation with a couple that had been married for, like, 40 years, and she had on a Walter Payton jersey, and he had on a cable knit sweater that she had knitted for him. There was a bear sweater, and we, and wow. we talked, mm-hmm. you know. Now, where else would I just talk to a a random elderly white couple. You, you know what I mean? Right. But sports, sports is a unifier. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. So we, like we write, we write about, it. I wrote about that, that experience. I didn't write about the kicker kicking the, you know, hitting the field, you know, missing the That's field right. goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't the focus of it. The focus was on how good sports makes us feel, mm. you know? Right. Yeah. Now, you said you were not the one that um, people would have looked at and thought that, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm basing, I'm kind of giving some inference to, to what you said, that uh, you're not the one that people would have looked at to think this is going to be the guy who's going to write so many books he's going to forget about it, that he's going to be doing travel blogging and sports and all these other things. Um, did you start writing, uh, was writing a part of... You know, was it a part of school for you? Um, where where did it come from? Where did you first start writing? Um, a couple of years ago, my mother posted the first poem I ever wrote, and I was four years old when I wrote it. Right. Oh man. Okay. So, I always wrote, but I never showed it to anybody. Mm. And then um, CPS had this gifted program, and I went to that during grade school and they taught creative writing and you, I learned how to write haiku and, you know, meter and all this other, you know, good stuff. Right. And I was content with writing and, and loving writers and all of that. And then I got to high school and the social world and everything changed. Right. So that part of me, you know, which I should have been exuberant about, mm-hmm. I buried mm-hmm. in order to fit in with the multitudes and the masses. Right. Okay. Right. Right. So I've always been a writer. Okay. So, uh, and I think that's that's a really interesting point to bring up, uh, that it started, um, you know, taking creative writing, but not just started there, but, you know, you were able to, to develop some different skills and, you know, uh, kind of explore uh, writing. Um, how important is that, uh, in your estimation, for the next generation for those for those for those students right now who are who are in grammar school particularly for young men uh who when it comes to creativity for young african-american males generally what we we're looking at at what we're looking at rap right um and and of course that's you know it can be quite creative and you know uh, you know some of they look at they look at us now they call us old heads um but yeah but we listen 
real music, bro. I'm yes. just saying. No doubt. No Go doubt. ahead. <laughs> but uh, how important is it for our young people, uh, particularly young African-American males, to be able to uh, to go into creative writing, to have that as a, you know, as, as a, as a platform to be able to express themselves. I think it's very important. I mean, we, as, okay, I'm, I'm keeping it very real yeah, as black men and especially young black men, mm -hmm. rage is part of our everyday experience. Right. Heartbreak part of our everyday experience. The knowledge that we are born with targets on our back, that's an everyday thing. Mm -hmm. So to be able to write as an outlet for some of that rage, some of that emotion, to to paint, to, to be able to tell a story, any of these things, mm -hmm. that's all creative. It helps. Okay, break it down like this. It helps with our knowledge of self to be able to vent to get that off of our souls, to write it out and feel better about it, to take something ugly and make it beautiful, okay? Right. So the young black men, we need older black men like us mm -hmm. to say, hey, man, you ever thought about, like, writing? Well, I like to do graffiti. Okay, come on. Let me tell you about this dude, Banksy, or, or tell them something to heighten their experience, to make them want to do more. Right. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of uh, of mentorship, right? Because that's 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 essentially what it is, right? You have the older generation uh, reaching reaching back uh, for the for the younger. Uh, as a matter of fact, I want to take a little, little little detour for a moment. Someone told me once uh, that every person should have three mentors. They said you have one that is younger, you have one that's older, and one that is a contemporary, one that's you know your same age. Um, and I've, I've, True. I, I see the, I see the, the wisdom, uh, in that. Right. But when it comes to, uh, mentoring a younger generation, uh, around creativity and it's uh, specifically for the purpose of healing, um, what, what are some of the, the works that you have read or some of the writers that you found kind of represented uh there was a healing element to their writing oh, oh wow yeah well i mean you know i i, I don't know i just kind of threw it out there uh <laughs> you may have found rage no, in somebody's writing I, but <laughs> no i don't I, I understand the funny thing is there have been so many writers so many books mm -hmm. like i read malcolm x when i was in fifth grade you know um the character that I most identified with was uh, actually this guy, Pony Boy, in The Outsiders, right? Mm. He was a thug from a thug background mm -hmm. who loved poetry and reading. And I'm like, oh, my God, he sounds so much like me. <laughs> and so, you know what I mean? That, yeah. that influenced But being creative... Uh -huh. I can't I can't point to any one writer because like my grandmother would read us Langston Hughes mm. when we were little boys. Yeah. And you know, and we fell in love I fell in love with poetry. Yeah. Poetry is always gonna be my first love. Mm. Always. Yeah, so I would say Langston Hughes, um Stephen King's for a little bit. Yeah. But until I realized that he writes he writes way too many words to say what he needs to say, but 
You know, um, I sort of felt like that when I read the stand, but it was so it was so doggone good. I, I didn't I didn't care, and I remember reading that back in high school. Um, I read it. I read that book in one day because no, you that didn't. was like, yeah, I did. Hey, my wow. brother, I went. <laughs> I read it in one day. All six, all one thousand two hundred pages of it. It was it was excellent. Yeah. You know, I, because one, one day I think what captured us. Yes, one day I stayed locked in my room. Um, I think what captivated us was how he slid God in there. Mm-hmm. The story was great, yeah. But as people, spirituality, yeah, you know, he slid God in there on us, and that made it a classic. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? That's one that I need to to revisit because it's been it's it's been about thirty years, I think, since I read that. So. Uh, but I distinctly remember, uh, remember reading that on the on the bus on the CTA uh, to and from school. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> best reading done on the train or the bus. Yeah, yeah. no doubt, no doubt. So, um, so you are also a <clears throat> also a travel blogger, a travel enthusiast, yeah. and documenter. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You have a wonderful. You have a wonderful hashtag that I have not seen anybody else use. Uh, life, life is a banquet. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So tell us tell us a bit about how that came about, and um, and if there's anything in particular coming down the line, just regarding tra- to travel. I just I got to kind of have a feeling <laughs> like it is. <laughs> well, uh, the thing is, all right, I love packing a suitcase. I love getting on a plane. I love, you know, road trips. All everything to do with travel, I love it. Yeah. And my mother nurtured that when we were kids, and my grandparents we would go on road trips, you know, stuff like that. Right. And as as a grown up, oh my God, when when it's time to like put in my vacation at my work mm-hmm. at my job, yeah. Already, I already have the whole year planned out. Like, okay, I'm going to a Cubs game in St. Louis this weekend. I'm going. Wow. Because my thing, life is too short not to go and see some things. Yeah. Things that you've read about or dreamed about. Mm-hmm. And I have this thing that I don't like telling people exactly where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I just like to show up. Yeah. You know. So I could tell you every place I went in the last two or three years. Right. But I would I would have to be personal with you to tell you where I was going this year. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> I put it like this: I'm, 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 I'm chopping down some more bucket list items this year. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. And I will be in some places that I've only ever dreamed about. All right. That's awesome. And yeah, and the reason for the me like travel blog and taking all the pictures and right. everything. Yeah. I have a friend, uh, Dion, and we have this thing like, okay, we're going on these trips and we're doing these things. Everybody is not going to be able to do this. Right. Okay. Life doesn't quite work that way. But if I'm able to do it, then I'm going to try to drag all of them into that experience so that they can close their eyes and feel like they were there too. Mm. You know? Yeah. Mm. So I I imagine that it, it probably goes without saying that your travel 
also influences your your writing. And vice versa. Yep. It, absolutely. Hmm. Yep. Hmm. Now, Last, um, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, no, you go, go ahead. ahead. You got it. Last year, I went to Charleston, South Carolina. Yes. And I don't know if you've ever been there. Um, Charleston is a beautiful little city, but you will feel every ounce of your blackness while you're there mm. because they have the church where Dylan Roof shot the, you know, con- yeah. you know members Mother of the Emmanuel church. So I, yeah. mm-hmm. I stood outside that church and I prayed. Then I had an Uber driver who was who was like my driver for the weekend. I gave him like thirty bucks a day. Right. He would take me everywhere I walked up. And um, you know, you Denmark Vesey was hung right here and I went out to Fort Sumter and every place I went, no matter how beautiful it was, it was like this is the place where they brought us from Africa. Most people uh got off the boats in South Carolina, in Charleston. Mm. So I went. I went to the slave market, mm. and I looked at the manacles and the chains and all that stuff. And then I went and wrote a story called "For Jebediah." It was about a slave, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the travel influences the writing, but the writing actually helps me write off a lot of the travel. Really? Because I'm a yeah, I'm a professional writer. Right. So if I go someplace and I write something at that place. Well, hey, IRF, uh, yeah, this was my reason for being here. So I went to a con- <laughs> Okay, no, I, I'm, got I mean, you. I'm, I got you. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, let, me, let me ask this. How long did it take you um, to, uh, to, to feel the confidence to say, I'm a professional writer, this is, this is what I do? Was it after that first book, or was it? No. No? no. Okay. <laughs> no, because the first book... If I, I mean, I'm, I'm so proud of it. Even though, like, looking back on it, oh my God, I could have did so much more with it. Right. You know, I had a professional editor and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But the first, um, the first time I felt like a professional writer, I had written a story called Daddy's Boy, mm-hmm. and it's about a, a man taking a road trip with his father, a cross country road trip. Mm-hmm. And I sent it off to a publication, and it was included in an anthology. And I was like, oh, man, that was, you know, that was pretty cool. Right. And then the day that the cover of that anthology came out, it was five authors and me on the cover. Wow. Now, think about that. These are all professional authors and, you know, everything, right? Mm-hmm. And the little boy from 63rd Street. Yeah. His name is the cover, too. So I wound up calling my mother, and I'm like, Ma, um, so this book is coming out. And I started telling her, and she and I sat on the phone crying mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, this is this is big stuff. Yeah. And it was like, you, you are a professional writer. After that, I was possibilities of what endless for me. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm writing science fiction. I'm writing. <laughs> and, and, I, I mean, yeah, yesterday I got my first science fiction story, uh, except the first one I ever wrote. Really? I accepted it to an Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You're doing it. I'm trying, man. Wow. You're doing it. God willing and the creek don't rise. Okay. That's right. <laughs> so, so the, the confidence, uh, and this is also, I don't want to just kind of tie this back to, 
um, this the idea of uh, what bonds the individual to an outcome, right? Uh, going back to this black glue, right? I mean, and, and this word, and I, I've talked about this before, but I, and I'll, ha- I'll probably have to come back to it at some point and just really give it a little bit more of an in-depth um, explanation. But the confidence is something that has to build up that brings you to the success. Uh, and there are a lot of people, whether they're creatives or, you know, they're, they're in technical fields or whatever they're in, but they may have started over uh, and or just began something. And they're at a point where they're reluctant to claim the title. They're reluctant to say that this is what I do. I'm a professional, this or that. Um, but as time has gone on for you, do you feel, uh, do you kind of, are you conscious of your confidence as it has grown? Or do you feel you just at a point now where, you know, this is just it, you know, I'm, I'm a professional writer. Um, and you know, this is it. You don't, you don't have any, you know, there's, there's no room for any doubt now. No, there's no room for any doubt now. Um, I, I am, I am confident. I mean, yeah, I get on every, on a, a lot of days, I might get a rejection email for a story. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, that's y'all loss. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just send it somewhere else. Right. But what keeps me grounded is this is what I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what I do. You have people who, who can make, like, the world's greatest caramel cake. Mm-hmm. And they will say to you, I make the world's greatest caramel cake. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah? I will confidently say, I'm a professional writer. Yeah. I'm an author, I'm a blogger, and I'm a poet. And they say, well, what makes you professional? Because all of those things I just said, I made at least $1 doing it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So <clears throat> let me let me ask you, uh, this, this will be my last question. Uh, our time goes by really quickly. Um, do you feel that I'm going to ask this as a kind of a two part question. Number one, um, because you say it took a while for you to, to actually share what you've written. Um, even right. though you've been writing, you know, wrote your first poem at, at your first poem at four years old. Is right. this, is this what God put you here to do? And, and do you, do you feel, you know, is because that's what it looks like and that's what it sounds like. Uh, but is, is that how you, is that, is that what's in you, in your heart? Well, I, that like you said, it's a two-part question. I have a two-part answer. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know how we go through life and we wonder, what's, what, what is my purpose? What's my purpose? Okay, yeah. well, God gives everybody a different gift. Right. Okay. That's how I look at it. Because I can't look at a car engine and tell you how to fix it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have that gift. Right. But I can write. I can, I can write. Yeah. And... Yes, God gave me that gift, and now he's like, what are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to write. I'm going to get my stuff out into the world. But also, just because you gave me this gift, that means I need to help somebody else with their gift. Mm. So my, my editor with uh, at Garden Spices Magazine, I write for them as well, mm-hmm. she said that mentoring other writers is my ministry. And I was like, what? Mm. And... and what has happened is, I've you know, people said to me, well, I, I, I like to write a little, little bit. And I'm like, well, send me something. Let's talk about it. Right. And one of the 
one of the people, you know, is my cousin, mm-hmm. and she had sent me something, an essay, and it, was, it, it blew me away. Mm-hmm. And now I've, I've worked with her and I've pushed her and, you know, nudged her, and now she's submitting, like, to Chicken Soup for the Soul and all of these type of magazines and publications because that's what, that's the kind of writing she does, okay? And I like to feel like I helped her along her way, mm-hmm. you know? So when people, when, when, when writers come, young, aspiring writers, they come and they talk to me or they send me an email, I'm going to be all ears and I'm going to help them to the best of my ability because, like I said, maybe that's my ministry. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it has been a real uh, pleasure talking to you, brother. Um, hey, man. So, I, and I'm, I'm praying for your continued uh, success and continued well-being. And I absolutely love the fact that uh, mentorship is is a part yeah. of your success. So um, that, that's, that's a beautiful thing. So. Thank you. So, yes, Thanks sir. Thanks for thinking about it. <laughs> no All doubt. Right. No doubt. Uh, that was Marlon Hayes. Uh, and as a matter of fact, if you go to Instagram and you just type in the hashtag life is a banquet, you will find him. Uh, and life is indeed a banquet. It is what we make it. And it's too short to allow it to slip by so thank you all for tuning in for this episode of, of the black blue podcast i'm your host and producer Tariq alamine uh, and we will god willing talk to you next time Yo. first off all praises the law saved the, the black man and african from enslavement so i love this thing can never deface it but some of y'all that follow us hella racist Face it, we was taught to hate black So the lighter you is, the more you attract I'm finna pull coats here and choke fear When the smoke clear, we still black, so oh dear Why my skin breed them grief? All we want is a hua instead of beef Poor folks all broke, but more jokes Yeah, we worn out, some of us drinking and snort dope 400 plus plus poverty break the man's spirit But how you ridicule the drunk that you hand spirits My skin color will thin brothers that dim others Cause they write and they light is something they can't muster Copper be with some gas or a little swisher Behind the glass screaming I beat instead of mister And some shit now we the ones that built this big town Let you eat in our hood, we getting kicked down Why? Cause my swag ain't Middle Eastern Cause our hair is rough and we ain't eating Become your brother in faith and still a part distant Mary Oz, but your daughters to us are off limits Admit it, you look down on us Shake our hands with a smile then go and clown on us So all that talk about a profit was just a cash thing You ain't mean giving honor to all these black kings We at the table now, we'll have to accept it See more blacks on us sooner, so respect it so all my niggas, we naked, so don't forget it. A lost perfect that is man. So please tell test me what it home. is. My skin color is in my coach. You got you acting like fuck. Just please tell me what it is. Am I not human? Am I not you? What's with the heck you consume? So please tell me what it is. My skin color is in my coach. You got you acting like fuck. Just please tell me what it is. Am I not human? Am I not you? What's with the and them blue jackets are too savage Pull us over, we 
too black in that new caddy A slur for every nigga And a slew of cover up for every trigger Figures, they pull them back without charge And make the laws that put us blacks behind bars And tell our women these niggas they need jobs Keep her employed but deliver him to the side They all hate us, deem that we the lawbreakers It's comfortable to live when you the only lawmaker And when you pound and do wrong, look how the law shake Three months in and turn it out after hard break Closing our schools, imposing our dues To hold us out new with no hope To grow and outdo, they so are not cool Our lifestyle, they can't afford it That's why we move in nice cars and rock Jordans That's why we rock, we the stencils and pop corks, man Gucci'd up and Louis down to feel important Colorblind, it's invisible segregation It's color lines drawn on written education And you ain't never gonna make it Cause you racing against racists and mass racists Some decide to be Oreos just to strive Writing up they swag so they can thrive Come on uh, uh, Yeah